Hey, it's Alyssa Long, and you are listening to Across the Bifrost. Whosoever holds this hammer, if it be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Across the Bifrost. This is the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. Today, everybody, we are jumping into the second part of our creator spotlight on Walt Simonson. Yes, this is part two of the Simonson saga here on Across the Bifrost. Today, we are, we're, we're leaving Beta Ray Bill behind for a little bit, but don't worry, the action stays high because we're going to be talking about Vikings, dragons, and somebody is going to get beheaded by the end of this episode. And uh, well, you'll have to stick around to find out who. But to, to, to go along this journey with me, uh, Faz is not here tonight. Will is still uh, traversing around Germany. Who in the world could help me talk about comics so epic so uh so literary in nature so uh, grand in scope well i can only think of one friend that uh has been on the podcast before that has been itching to come back he's done all the reading he read the simonson omnibus in uh, i believe record time but Nathan Gilmore is back as my special member of the the Warriors Three this week. I feel like Nathan, you're you're the Balder the Brave to our. Oh man! Our wow. Three. Okay. I I I didn't know I'd come in at Balder level. I thought you know maybe uh, at most you know Elif the Lost or someone like that. But uh, you know, I could could have made you one of the Ravens. We could have made you one of the goats. <laughs> um, I figured making human was probably respectable. There uh, you go. There but, you go. But yeah, Nathan Gilmore uh, from Christian Humanist Profiles is back uh, from from Super Happy uh, Superpower Happy Hour that we did at Theology Beer Camp. You're actually here to talk about like a Thor specific thing, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. We are uh, we are also joined by a special guest that uh, I'll be honest, everybody. Uh, I've been following, uh, uh, you know, respectfully. I've been following what this man has been doing on his uh, account and his channel for a long time but uh john from john's comics with kids is here to like actually talk comics with me and i'm so excited about it <laughs> i'm 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 gonna try to stay composed but john's here as well to join the crew well it's my pleasure man that's hilarious no i i mean i i don't read enough simonson so i'm very excited for this i my era of Simonson was always X Factor, and of course Louise and her amazing time oh, on on Candy X Men. So like, I, it's nice to get just pure Walt. Like no no right, Louise, right. just pure Walt. Like we're uh, getting here, so this is fun. All Walt, no filler. No. Uh, not that Louise Simonson is filler. That no. that that came across wrong. Um, <laughs> but no, we're uh, we're excited to have you both here tonight. We are going to be talking about the next four issues in Walt's epic Thor run. Uh, we're going to be talking about issues uh, 341 through 344. And uh, some stuff is going to happen tonight. Like th this one feels epic. It feels big. And it kind of feels like a big kaiju action movie at times. There's a lot that goes on here. And it's also like a, a Viking saga within it. And then uh, the last issue, we get a highlight on Balder. And Baldur's going to go on a quest himself. But you know what, everybody, 
let's go on a quest tonight let's have a lot of fun here uh and uh f- to start off with 341 john's gonna give us a synopsis and then we're gonna we're gonna dig into what we enjoyed about this issue so john the, the floor is yours man uh, i firstly I, I appreciate the opportunity here and i went back and actually read the beta ray bill story which i was really glad i did because it really brought in a lot of details to what where Thor is at this moment, all the little side stories with where Balder is and what's going on on Asgard. And I think that really helped me a ton to understand what's going on here. Plus I totally forgot. This is a secret wars tie-in. 341 is the book where we connect with Thor going off to battle world. So you have those like blank panels here at the the beginning of the issue to reference the fact that this is a tie-in to, or at least I, I hate to use that word because they're not, they didn't really do tie-ins for that saga, but they have those connective tissue pieces to right. lead us into battle world. Which was something I didn't know before I started this, this reread where I was like blank panels. Okay. I got to look this up because uh, I don't want to look stupid. Um, you know, when we talk about this, but I think it's kind of cool how some, cause sometimes like in modern comics, like what Thor is doing in the Avengers uh, and what Thor is doing in his own book, they never merge. Right. Like they, they never matter to each other. So it's it's nice here to at least see like, oh, okay, Walt's at least explaining what is happening other places by Thor's like three panel absence here. Right. And, and, so. and a lot of those books were never like important. They were, because the Secret Wars miniseries didn't happen for like seven months, usually later on. So people were getting these little glimpses of, Spider-Man disappears into a weird dome or three of the Fantastic Four get, you know, vacuums right, away right. into this, this, this little shape. And then for Simonson, I love that he just basically gave us three blank panels as like, I don't know what, what the Secret Wars thing is. They're not telling me, but something happened. <laughs> a mighty a mighty God walks into the mansion and uh, we'll fill in the blank later. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the crux of this story, like you mentioned at the beginning, is obviously the kaiju problem that continues yes. through all three of these issues. We have Warlai, uh, who has been sort of in the background going through this story, uh, attempting to communicate with the, I mean, uh, do you want to call him a dragon, I guess? Fafnir? I'm, I'm, I'm going to yeah. suck at these names. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> I always I always refer to him as Fafnir, which like... There you go. Nathan, you're you're our you're uh, Fafnir is how I tend to say it, but okay, I, yeah, I, I I think the two. I mean, honestly, none of us here is a Viking, so we'll we'll roll with Not it. Yet <laughs> that we know of, <laughs> that goatee is looking fairly mighty. Yeah. <laughs> so but, we've got so this dragon Fafnir Fafnir who uh, Lorelai is going to try to convince to be a, a pawn in her uh, her plans. And that script gets flipped on her because mm-hmm. he utilizes his ability to control her in return. It's like, it's a great, like, oh, no, no, you're, you can't mind control me. I'm going to mind control you right back. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. and then he uses her as basically bait to to attack the, the, the New York City and lure Thor out to try to rescue her. Am I, am I going too quick through this? I don't want to like. No, no, no. That's like, that's the big A plot of this yeah. one. It's Fafnir uh, trying to get Thor out in the open, trying Me? to yeah. basically goad him into this big fight because um, it's just a brief like little like 
reminder from our previous saga is because we know Surtur is coming and Surtur is forging the sword Twilight, which we're going to see him name in these issues. Um, and he's going to, you know, get closer and closer to it being a complete weapon. Surtur is undoing a lot of things to bring his plan to fruition uh, in our next saga, or our next part of the saga, Malekith becomes a pawn of Searcher. We see a little bit of that in the issues we're going to talk about tonight. But Fafnir is also one of those pawns because Surtur, because of what Surtur is doing, it releases Fafnir back into the world. So he's he's kind of wreaking havoc, right? Just because he he wants revenge against Odin, he wants revenge against Thor. But Surtur is kind of using him like a dumb little plaything, where he's like, you know, go 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 create some havoc, go go do some stuff, <laughs> and uh, and coincidentally, it will also help Surtur kind of um, soften up Earth to his impending invasion. Um, that's kind of the purpose of Fafnir in Surtur's larger plan. Right. And at the same time, we've also got Thor starting a new life, right? He's oh my gosh, we have no to talk longer about Donald Blake. Instead, <laughs> instead, I, he's going to be blue collar construction worker with the ponytail, and uh, we can get into the glasses scene. Yes, we can. Definitely, we my favorite part. Well, of the we've got to do the glasses scene. Yeah, but so, the idea is you've got him, you know, Thor, trying out a new existence. I'm no longer a doctor. I'm now a construction worker, and I'm going to try this. I'm going to have an apartment in Brooklyn. I'm going to be this different hero now. And of course, it lasts all of like five seconds before there's Lorelai in distress and a giant dragon, and the hammer's got to come out, and I got to whoop some dragon butt. So let's talk about Extreme Makeover Midgard Edition uh, <laughs> with, with Thor not being Donald Blake anymore. Now, again, he's been Donald Blake for like 200 issues. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's been his alter ego all the way back in Journey into Mystery 83. Yep. So we now have this new character, Sigurd Jarlson. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you're going to go with an alternate alter ego maybe don't make him sound like the most norse thing uh in all of new york city um well and, and honestly the his uh his cover was the gift to english professors because you know I, I haven't read a whole lot of thor books uh so i'm like okay there's a dragon i don't know who the dragon is don't know what the dragon's name is and then nick fury gives him the cover sigurd i'm like oh it's fafnir because, you know, Sigurd is the slayer of Fafnir in the Edda and in the and, Volsung saga and Beowulf. And, <laughs> and and listeners, that is why you have the ace up your sleeve named Nathan Gilmore, because <laughs> he can pull that out of thin air and, uh, I and do connect none of all that. the dots. Yeah. I, I needed that right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, in the banquet scene after Grendel is slain in Beowulf, uh, the Shope, the poet, uh, tells the story of Fafnir the dragon and the dragon slayer Sigurd. So That's I mean, hilarious. it's I love you know, uh, you know. Honestly, this is one of the fun things about Simonson for you know someone like me. I mean, because he drops in all of these literary references, right? I mean, the Shakespeare, the sagas, the Bible, the just all over the place. So a lot, well a lot of fun. A lot of intelligent writers always. Bring oh gosh, yeah, stuff, yeah. You know? I love it. There is. The, the but the Sigurd persona mm -hmm. um 
is so interesting because Nick Fury and, and Thor have one of the funniest interchanges that leads to bumping in with a character from across the aisle. So <laughs> let's, just, let's just paint a picture here. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, which by the way, guys, how are you guys reading these issues? Um, I just think sometimes it's kind of cool for listeners to know how we're, how we're engaging here. I borrowed the Simonson omnibus from the library. Okay. Well, that's a cool ass library. Uh, (laughs) I've got the Marvel unlimited app. So I was reading it off of my iPad uh, just because these are issues. I have some of the beta Ray bill story, uh, but I do not have any of the, any of the other assignments and issues. So uh, this is really a treat because Nathan is reading in a physical omnibus. John is reading digitally and I have the single issues. Ooh. So we're all three reading a different like uh, mastering of this story, which is uh, fantastic. But back to Nick Fury kind of uh, getting Thor's glow on. Um, So, (laughs) well, and and the best part of that is he hands him these, you know, glasses and he says, here, put these on. They work great for the other guy. And I'm like, is that a Superman reference in a Marvel book? And then I flip the page over and it's like, there's Clark Kent and Lois Lane. just i'm like just are they they allowed to do that what it's like he doesn't call him clark kent he doesn't call him superman he's vague enough but then like the guy looks exactly like clark kent and he calls him a reporter because he's like oh the reporters are right through here uh right and and so he opens thor opens the door now i'm gonna correct that ryan because when the the brunette reporter is picking oh. the uh, bespectacled reporter off the ground. She says, let's go, Clark. We're going to be late for the conference. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like now- I said, I, because I, I, you know, haven't read 80s comics for so long, I'm like, okay, so they, they did just flat out make a Superman joke in the Thor book. And, and, uh, and there's a little bit of, there's a, a part about Thor's appearance I want to go back to, but to mm. continue this Clark Kent uh, clearly this Clark Kent Superman reference as Clark is getting up off the ground he uh he said when Lois let's be honest when Lois Lane says <laughs> um, let's go Clark we're gonna be late for the conference Clark says right away and then in a thought bubble he says geez that looked like could that have been I could have sworn now <laughs> so it's like so, so hold on in 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 the marvel 616 universe clark kent exists and he's a reporter who is also he, he recognizes who thor might be like <laughs> so to me this is like walt was like okay i want to put clark i want to put clark kent in this book it doesn't have to make sense <laughs> And it's not going to. Uh, Or should it? I mean, honestly, this is one of those joyful comic nerd moments. Like I, I, I giggled as a 45 year old man reading a Thor book. I giggled and I was like, this is hilarious. I got to go show my daughters. Like this is, it was just, it was, it's so well executed. And it was, it was easily (laughs) the best part of this issue for me. Mm -hmm. Even though Thor fights a dragon, this was the best part for me. There is another, so when, um, so to, to backtrack just a little bit, when Thor kind of reveals his new revamped, you know, uh, you know, blue collar, almost Bruce Springsteen uh, construction <laughs> worker vibes, um, he, he comes out of the door 
and and Nick Fury's like, holy cow. And then <laughs> Thor's like, oh, is uh, is anything wrong? It's like, nah, you look great, man. <laughs> He's like, I knew those shoulders would give him away. It's like, Nick, calm down, man. Like yeah, he's definitely scoping him out. Back, back away from the god of thunder dude <laughs> but like th- th- that those three pages were so entertaining to me yes. mm-hmm. in so many different levels because it's like like john was saying like it's it's comics at its wackiest and like it doesn't make sense but it's it's so much fun i don't even care completely like, right right and uh it's just it was honestly my favorite part of this issue was the Superman <laughs> thing and the whole like Nick Fury low key, as it should uh, be uh, uh, g- glamming up Thor. So, um, <laughs> well, and there's one other line where he says like, "Hey, I got you an apartment in Manhattan, or I got you apartment in the Bronx because even Shield can't afford Manhattan." Yep, it's like, <laughs> and, and, okay. and, and, the, and this is pre Giuliani New York, so I mean, you know, I mean, it must have really, you know, really taxed uh, Shield. Um, so there's a few more uh, little uh, lines of 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 story here. We have, you know, the construction job that, of, of course, you know, within five minutes goes terribly wrong. Um, was there any other? Uh, we have our we have our uh, sighting of Surter. Uh, mm-hmm. still forging twilight um which we've been yep. getting at least a, a page every issue leading up to this where we see Surter gathering his forces forging the sword twilight and most of these pages start with si- one of simonson's most famous uh bits of uh, of of text where he says elsewhere beyond the fields we know which is I mean, I get goosebumps just reading that. And uh, and it's like, basically, that's just Simon's way of saying like, hey, really far away, this is happening. <laughs> well, sounds- and, and let me ask you this, because I, I didn't have time before we started recording to look this up. But the, yeah. uh, the percussive doom, is that from uh, Fellowship of the Ring? Uh, I mean, I feel like that's the sound the drums make in the minds of Moria. You know what? You you could be entirely right. I don't know the actual answer. To See, that this is why Tolkien people but, frighten me. Because if I'd said that around Tolkien people, they would have immediately pounced. They're like, "Listen here, you idiots!" <laughs> like, of course it's from, of course it's from the Mines of Moria. <laughs> Coincidentally, I am watching Fellowship right after this. Nice. Um, very good, just, very because, good. just because, just because every once in a while, my wife's like, "Hey, we should start LTR again," and I'm like. I, I will i refuse to say no. you have married yeah, i was gonna well. say you, you don't know what john i have um like <laughs> what, what, oh sorry talk about your comics and then we can uh then we can watch tolkien for the billionth time <laughs> literally our first our first date we ever had was sitting on a couch in our in our dorm lobby watching fellowship and i will say uh on our honeymoon my wife and i i, I finished reading fellowship to her we read two towers and then we started return of the king we just oh, reading, reading it aloud to her uh-huh man. so what we a, both we both rolled yahtzee i'm just gonna tell you right what now. an epic bard you must be john <laughs> Sorry, well, one other thing before we ahead. before we go to 342 yeah um i really like the backstory of fafner because once again i mean it is straight out of uh the eddas it's straight out of the volsunga saga you know fafner is the dwarf king i mean who murders his brother to steal his treasure and when he steals the treasure he becomes the dragon fafner uh, who later on gets slain by Sigurd. So, I mean, once again, I mean, Simonson's, you know, supreme literacy is showing up here. 
Uh, and, you know, just because I, I am a professor in evangelical college, I also have to mention here that uh, Fafnir is also the inspiration for the Eustace becoming a dragon sitting on the treasure really? scene. Yeah, from uh, wow. Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Ah, oh, that makes so much more sense now. Yeah, I yeah, that. that 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 is Lewis being Lewis. You know, I mean, he he basically mugs uh, medieval mythology and rifles its pockets and puts it in his children's books. Perfect, as it should be. <laughs> what, what a profound description that was of uh, this image of C.S. Lewis going up to some like medieval scribe and like just mugging him robbing him and being like i'm gonna take all your good stuff and, yeah. I'm, gonna, <laughs> and i'm gonna make some epic kids books with it <laughs> oh my gosh they, but like we we at the end of this issue we do see an epic fight scene between thor and fafnir mm-hmm. like so much happens and at the end of this fight scene they're in a they're underneath the city and the dragon unleashes like the the freaking uh was it the east river uh, presumably uh, the hudson river yeah so he, he releases a whole river onto mm-hmm. thor and, and he's like mm, well gotta deal with this now like <laughs> i love that thor gets those moments where because he's so powerful <laughs> you can put him in situations where like hey thor a river is coming at you. What do you do? I just, I do Thor stuff. Whereas I like in my hammer, of course, <laughs> Spidey, Spidey would have had like four quips about it and then like rescued some people, but Spidey can't stop a river. Um, you know, that's why, uh, that's why Thor is uh, better. Uh, so, uh, but we, we have a little, um, we have a little uh, epilogue here at the end where Thor has saved Lorelai mm-hmm. and, Lorelai and he start well Lorelai kind of starts her plan here right where she's going to this golden mead plan and and, and real quick Ryan for, for so the listeners long. who don't have the book in front of her uh, in yes. front of them who who is Lorelai so Lorelai is uh, Amora the Enchantress's sister and she has a similar I would say she has a similar vibe and a similar power set as mm-hmm. Amora um which up until this point, and I could be wrong. There could be a reason why. And um, hey, Walt Simonson, if you want to come on my podcast and tell me why I'm wrong, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so the 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 thing that I always thought is like, okay, she's so much like Amora. Why didn't we just have Amora do this part? Mm-hmm. Um, and because up until this point, like Amora has been part of the Masters of Evil. She's been, you know, she's had a few schemes kind of not go her way but she hasn't really had like a big power play. And I feel like this would have been a cool, like Amora the Enchantress goes to that next level. And, you know, um, she wins the heart of Thor, you know, with this golden mead. I, I don't know that my opinion, um, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, does not matter. Um, Lorelai was not a character I knew much about beforehand, but we're definitely going to become more familiar with her as she tries to become more familiar with our guy Thor. Everybody's um, scoping on Thor this issue. Let's just be honest. Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised yeah. Fafnir wasn't like, mm, I can do that. <laughs> I don't know, lady, you've got some problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, that brings us to the end of 341. But real quick, before we say yeah, that, I mean, I, I just want to note that the page before the epilogue, Loki. we have uh, Loki looking in and giving this right. gloriously Shakespearean speech. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, well, and then, you know, I'm going to be doing this all all episode. So I'm you sorry. Need guys, to be doing this all that's episode. why we bring you here. Nathan. Um, I mean, you know, what, what I love about works. this, I mean, you know, is that Simonson is writing a speech that uh, Edmund from King Lear or Iago from Othello could have been reciting while the hero is about to fall into his trap. Yep. And, you know, I mean, um, again, I mean, you know, I the, in, in some ways I like Simonson's Loki so much more than I like the MCU Loki, even though I love Tom Hiddleston. And Tom, I love you if you're listening. But you know, uh, <laughs> if you want to come onto the podcast, Tom Hiddleston, and tell Nathan how wrong he is. Uh, that's you're- right. That's right. But uh, but 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 the funny thing is, you know, I've also seen Tom Hiddleston in a lot of Shakespearean productions. So go right. figure. But uh, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, I I love this version of Loki. I mean, who is being the Shakespearean villain, right? I mean, you know, he is the he is personally slighted because he knows he is superior to all the people who have advantage in the world. And not only is he going to plot, but he's going to tell you about every one of his plots. Yep. So um, I know that you just, you laid out a very awesome, rich, higher education reason for why this is cool. (laughs) Here was, here was my poll. Uh As, as I'm reading that, I'm like, oh my gosh, Loki's totally monologuing. (laughs) And that reminded me of of Syndrome from The Incredibles. Oh man! Like you caught me monologuing. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sorry, Nathan. I that like no, that's all right. Our difference in education. No, No, it's it's a it's a classic villain trope, right? They're always the ones that are the thinking ones that have these plans that are that are that are have these Machiavellian ideas of what they're going to try to achieve. so seeing him there, you know, twiddling his fingers and, and you know, you know, <laughs> smiling, oh, smiling well, over all the chess and, and I guess all, all, I, all I would add to that is that, uh, you know, we have uh, Shakespeare and Milton to thank for that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's just the devil on their throne. Yes. yes. So let's uh, let's move on to 342. Uh, it's it's uh, the next part in our in our Fafnir story but really this is our introduction to elif the lost who mm-hmm. is the remaining viking of a community that was uh stranded within um i, I mean kind of like a savage land type um like arctic paradise um under antarctic antarctic it, okay and whatever <laughs> um it, well it, here here's the thing since john is the x-men guy I I almost didn't say Savage Land because I was like, oh, what if this is wrong? <laughs> I, I thought it was, but I, I was like, wait, is there two Savage Lands in the, 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 the six? This is I'm a Savage suburb. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was like, what's going on? They couldn't, why didn't just call it the Savage Land and just team up? I love it. Give me some right, sound like, flying through. Because don't like, I mean, there's so many different people groups in the Savage Land. It's like you could have just thrown some Vikings in there too. Where's Kazar? Yeah, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Kazar can swing right. through. And you know, this was our opportunity to see uh, Kazar fight a Viking. Yeah, all these ripped, blonde, long-haired guys can team up. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> Lorelai's paradise. Right. Um, so we well, Nick, off, Nick Fury's paradise. Nick Fury's paradise. Oh, those well, shoulders. Why, why not both? <laughs> why, watch where you swing those shoulders, man. Uh, the first page that we have in this issue is stunning. Yeah, I love the opening splash page of the 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 uh, the tops of the the castles and the buildings. Simonson's very like 
Norse longhouse, uh, you know, kind of uh, form of castle, not a, not a Kirby, uh, not a Buscema uh, Asgard. This is very stylized in like an ancient Norse mythology kind of vibe. So, um, but then there's that huge uh, galactic, like, Jim Starlin-esque like I mean yes it, skyline right it's the, it's beautiful. it is Starlin's you know oh gosh pick anything I guess the cosmic um, like energy of space and uh yeah I mean it's it's a crazy opening uh splash but then we see that uh Odin is uh having a feast and there's a missing chair in the halls of Valhalla as they're feasting so that will come into play uh in a few issues where we when we get to the the conclusion of that kind of that that loose end but this issue really is about thor going to seek out a voice that is calling for him it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, the it's elif the lost calling for a challenger so that he can enter the halls of valhalla um which by the way there were several points in these comics that we're reading tonight where i got goosebumps because of how epic stuff sounded and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. reading uh, Elif's story. He's this, he's the last survivor of these Viking um, Vikings that have stumbled upon this savage land, but not the savage land kind <laughs> of area um, in Antarctica. And uh, he, he wants to die with valor. He wants to go out, you know, go out on his shield uh, to, to, you know, to borrow the phrase. And Mm -hmm. Thor goes through his labyrinth of obstacles, very Temple of Doom-esque, to get to to Elif. And when when he gets there, he realizes, oh, this this powerful warrior is an old man. Right. And Elif has been there since the time of his people waiting for a challenge that would warrant him getting into Valhalla. Um, He Mm -hmm. actually different indiana jones reference he's <laughs> he's the knight at the end of last crusade there yeah. it is yeah. where he, he's fulfilled his duty um and he's been there forever i never understood that movie as a kid where i was like but he's so old <laughs> like uh-huh. and i didn't even know when the crusades were but needless to say uh the knight in last crusade had been there for a long time um but we also see that uh fafnir is not done and neither is lorelei she is brewing up a love potion number nine for her guy uh mr thor and um that's kind of the those are the the, the plot threads that kind of get us through this not a transition issue but we're still kind of connecting things because we've gotten our big battle with Fafnir and now Mm -hmm. we're introducing Elif the Lost as this character who's going to eventually team up with Thor to fight the dragon in that noble battle that he's desired for so long but we get a little bit of Lorelei we see that Fafnir is still there we get our Balder kind of you know our, our peek in with what Balder's doing and then of course our our splash page was searcher, but guys, what, what stood out from you? What, what stood out for you? What did you enjoy about 342? This, um, this Viking saga type, you know, story. Okay. This one was the English professor's paradise. Okay. Uh, here we go. Because, Let's do it. Uh, you know, uh, Elif the lost is from the army of Harold Hardrada, uh, which, you know, is probably a name that means nothing to most people. I happen to teach old English, so I know that that is the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle year 1066. 
uh everyone knows or maybe not everyone but you should know john and i know but but you know for people that maybe don't know maybe explain (laughs) yeah it's it's that that scene from the office where it's like okay i understand how a lemonade stand works but can explain it to me like i'm a like i'm a third grader (laughs) (laughs) but in the year 1066 the uh, normans led by william the conqueror overrun uh harold godwinna's kingdom of wessex and establish you know the french-speaking normans as the lords of the island of britain uh but that is the second war uh that harold goodwinna had to fight uh before he fought the french-speaking norman vikings he defeated the norwegian-speaking uh vikings led by king harold hardrada and so i mean you know again just this supremely literate moment where i mean you know this is the forgotten Viking army from 1066 Ugh. that Elif the Lost is part of. And I, and, you know, like I said, like uh, my, my old English students over the years know this story. I know this story. And uh, you know, uh, Walt Simonson knows this story and it's just glorious. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Like again, I know I've said it multiple times. I'll probably say it a few more times. This is why you bring Nathan <laughs> Gilmore onto your onto your comic book podcast when you're talking about Viking stuff, man. Right. But um, but one thing. But and now I, this is my last English professor moment. Then I can hand it over to John. But not okay. at all. You, come on, you, this, it doesn't no have way. to be. It does not. Have I mean, to be. for for issue three forty two. How about that? Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. We'll, we'll but, stick to that. Um. Yeah. I mean, one one thing to remember is that Viking is not an ethnicity. All right. Viking is a profession. Uh, in the sagas, you often run into retired Vikings, and I, for one, have never met a retired Swede or a retired, uh, you know, Norwegian. Uh, but you know, I have met retired Marines, and that's basically yeah. what a retired Viking is, right? So, I mean, in the, you know, Northern European world, there's three big Viking empires: uh, the Danes and the Norwegians um, and the Normans. All right. And, you know, the Normans are on the northern coast of the mainland. The Danes are from farther east. And then, of course, the Norwegians are from Norway. And then the the Swedes occasionally get mixed up in there, too. But that's another story entirely. But, <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, once again, um, what we get is, I mean, you know, the the Viking that calls out to Thor uh, is not a Danish Viking. He's not a Norman Viking. He's a Norwegian Viking. So like even that Simonson gets right. I'm geeking out. I really am. <laughs> I love that Simonson got stuff so right that uh, you know what? Forty years later, Nathan is sitting here like, "Oh my gosh, this comic book, this children's comic book." Is so- well, and I mean, you know, when, when I read these stories as a kid, of course, I didn't have this education, but now returning to it, it's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like there is so much cool stuff going on here that I didn't see when I was a kid. Now, John, if you are able to, can you flex your uh, <laughs> I was gonna expansive knowledge say, on so, old Norse literature? <laughs> one of the one of the critiques that my friends have with me is that I'm really hard on comics, and so I will flex my muscle of I really did not like this issue, and I, okay. I will say it's it's not for substance; it's for form. Like it skips around constantly. I felt like I yeah. wanted more Fafnir right off the bat. Okay, the Fafnir thing is going to continue on here. And it was like, no, we're throwing that whole plot line out. We'll give you one page later on in the middle of the book. We're going to okay. jump into this whole other storyline. And then just when that's getting interesting, we're going to skip away and give you some Balder stuff, even though you're like, I, why, why are we jumping to Balder now? And we're going to come <laughs> back and then we're going to skip away to Surtur. Then we're going to come back and then we're going to jump over to Lorelei and, and, and then we're going to come back. And it's like, I, I was getting dizzy, like a record skipping. Okay. 
for me, yeah, it, yeah. I was just—I like, I agree with that. I, I agree like, with there that. Was no consistency of of plot for me. It was just a mm-hmm. lot of exposition, and I do view this as a transition exposition dump. And it, the good news is, it makes three forty three heart wrenching and powerful because right. you have all the setup. Right. But it's like the opening of Return of the Jet, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indy's mm-hmm. going to get the chalkboard out, draw the, the the map on the floor, and how those how the this is how the, the little thing works. Let me get this book out. Let me teach you guys all this stuff. Then right. later, when we go to the map room, we have this amazing scene without dialogue where we're like, "Wow, what an amazing moment!" We but understand it because we've taught us all this stuff earlier. Right. 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 So it's important. That's just really hard to read. If yeah, you know, compared yeah. to the last issue and the the next issue that you know it's it's definitely a step yeah. down for me and, and and to jump ahead to 344 i mean the same kind of thing goes along there too because you know in the the one page you know forging of twilight scene i mean you know the the key line is um twilight is tempered and then you get pages and pages of balder being tempered right in other words <laughs> right. you know i mean he is his metal is being tested to use the right. pun right so i mean you know uh simonson yeah i mean can be a lot more uh careful in the way that the chain in the in the way that the links chain together he's and in this issue right he's not there, there's so many threads going on and, and yeah. thankfully i felt really grounded after getting through the beta ray bill story that i felt like i could understand <laughs> all the pieces he was trying to keep moving on the story yeah. because he is mm-hmm. building a bigger game here he is it's very claremont-esque where he, i've got a lot of big plot pieces i want to like keep going at all times but I'm going to tell this story for this issue. Right. And so like, it's tricky. It's a tricky juggling act. I'm glad that you referenced Claremont there because you're, um, I don't know Claremont's X-Men, but I know, I know, um, how do you say, I have heard enough about the form of how he writes where it's <laughs> like, Hey, you remember that one panel 20 issues ago? Yeah. We're going to do We're going to do a whole event based around that one panel. Exactly. Um, so it's yeah. like, wait, hold on. I forgot that panel happened. And he's like, I knew you forgot it happened. Like, um, so I I feel like maybe Simonson's got like four or five stories going here. Exactly. Which is it like feels amazing. very soap opera-esque. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Where we or um I, I use this analogy to describe Jason Aaron's Thor. Um, because that's listeners of the show know like that is my it is my holy grail. Um as it should be. And Nathan sat sat through a, a panel where I had to restrain my uh, my love of the God Butcher storyline to like what, five <laughs> minutes, and I still went over because um, at the end of the panel we're like, do uh, one thing that you would require people to read, and I feel like Nathan and I were the ones that like were sitting at the end of the table like. We're gonna go over. We just know it, um, and we did, and we did <laughs> unabashedly and unashamedly. We went yes, over. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, I feel like it's almost like a stovetop. So if you have five burners on a stovetop, mm-hmm. the heat ones up at certain times. Right. Like you know, you're, you're trying to cool this down, and then you're trying to keep that at temperature. You're trying to boil this one over. It's 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 like a it's like a stovetop where you've got things on different heats and issue to issue you're turning up and lowering the heat on certain totally. things, which so, again is very common of this era of Marvel. Like right. bronze and copper era Marvel did this a ton. So I mentioned Claremont because 
it's another example where I think in this case, Thor is almost a team book. You have all these characters. It's not right. just a Thor book. It's not just a streamlined one character, main character story. It's almost got an Avengers or X-Men style because you want to know where Loki is at this po point in the story. You want to know where Odin is. You need to know where Balder is. So all of those little pieces need to be at least given a moment. Yeah, that's right. And right. And that's where that's where I think like there's a lot of similarities between Jason Aaron's run of Thor and Simonson's run of Thor. I think that's one of the most overt ones mm. is that you like Simonson doesn't just care about Thor. He cares about everybody. He's trying mm -hmm. to give everybody something to do and he's trying to give everybody kind of a purpose and a plot. Aaron did the same thing, even when Thor didn't have the hammer. He was doing stuff, you know, the, the Warriors three were doing things, you know, Sif's doing stuff, Odin's doing stuff. And those are honestly my favorite runs of Thor because Thor is the kind of comic and Nathan, maybe you can expand on this because you know, this style of literature a little bit better than I, it feels epic because it's written in an epic way. There's mm -hmm. so like there's mm -hmm. so it's big it's grand it's, it's the huge. scope it's the scope it's of the what you're scope. seeing right not only like sorry I just jumped on Nathan even though you said no up. no rock and roll man you you set up all these characters you set up all these locales you set up all these problems uh, and it's not it's not just a one character in a, in a one setting kind of thing it's 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 this tapestry that expands across mm -hmm. uh, all these dimensions all these planes of existence. I'm sorry, Nathan. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's right. Is, he's right. Is, I'm not gonna. And, and, I'm not and, gonna and gainsay you, any of that. <laughs> there's um, there's another because okay, another thing is that like, it's my one last comparison of runs for now. Um, if you read the current run of Thor, which I I have greatly enjoyed at points. I've enjoyed art, the artwork. Nick Klein's artwork is stupendous i'm still mad that he's leaving to go do hulk um and that storyline though for the most part it's 21 22 pages of what's thor doing i don't oh, think the warriors okay, three have okay. shown up in a year mm. i don't think you know, sif shows up very sporadically jane shows up sporadically uh the runa valkyrie character shows up sporadically Odin's Odin's a hammer now. Odin's within he's he's <laughs> he's in he's inside the Mjolnir that he enchanted. Like there's a lot going on, but for the most part, it's about it's about 18, 19 pages of Thor in a 21, 22 page book. And mm -hmm. that's fine, but it's it, to me, it takes away from what John said. It takes away from the scope, it takes away from the grandeur of these nine realms. That that you know, and everything's got you know, everything's um so big and bold, and sometimes runs like focus in on Thor. And where I, I agree with John, maybe Thor should be treated more like a team book. Mm. And I've never really thought of that before, John. But now I'm probably not going to be able to stop. But that. isn't but isn't isn't Asgard the main character? Isn't isn't it? I mean, you could argue it's a it's a it's a King of England, War of Roses, Game of Thrones kind of thing where you're talking about the main character is the ruling structure that's happening, right? And all of right. those realms, right. you know, the, you how do you do? Uh, you know, Hamlet without discussing Denmark? How do you how do you mm -hmm. uh, remove? A, a a political you know dynasty a, a ruling royal family with 
and then take them out of the 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 universe that they're in charge of. That's oh my gosh. I mean, I've 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 thought of comparing Thor to Game of Thrones kind of just like in passing, but I've never really thought of it in a structure point of view point of view. It's like, well, well who's the main character of Game of Thrones? I'm like, well, I could maybe name you three or four people, mm-hmm. but let's be honest, the realm is the main character, right? Um, but anyway, as we've we've uh, we've waxed poetic <laughs> at the end of this one. Um, but any other thoughts on three forty two, guys? I know we've we've uh, expanded on it uh, quite a bit. Just just one more geek moment uh, at the very beginning. They're having that grand council in the the great hall of Odin. And uh, he consults with a figure called Saga, uh, yeah. which reminds me of the the Great Hall after the slaying of Grendel and Beowulf, where uh, one of the main characters in that scene is the Shope, the poet. So, you know, once again, I mean, you know, it's a it's just a one frame reference, but uh, it, it's fun. It's fun. Oh my gosh. I, I love how happy you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So everybody, we are going to take a brief break. We are going to refill our mead goblets and we are going to, uh, Nathan's going to uh, fan himself off because of all the excitement. <laughs> um, and we're going to be back on the other side of a brief break where John is going to break down 343, the return of Fafnir and Elif's last battle. Okay, everybody, I hope you're enjoying this awesome Simonson Saga episode. We're having just so much fun with uh, with John and with Nathan. We're going to take this brief break, though, to remind you that we have a Patreon. You can join the Thor Corps for just a few months or a few bucks a month. That's not, we hope you join for many months, but for a few bucks a month, you can get early episodes, bonus episodes, and we even throw up polls on Patreon where you get to decide what we do for bonus episodes. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned over there on Patreon. And uh, our Thor Core is our main level of support. You can join that for five bucks a month. And we have uh, a top tier and Faz would uh, absolutely just uh, ridicule me if I hadn't mentioned what the top tier of our Patreon is. That is Listener Prime. You can become a listener prime uh, for just a little bit more, a um, few, few more shekels a month, and uh, you basically become our best friend. You become the fourth member of the Warriors Three. You become our Lady Sif. You become our Bald of the Brave. You become, uh, you become our Tooth Nasher and our Tooth Grinder. You become that top tier supporter. Uh, but the the members of the Thor Corps that have been supporting us for a while over on Patreon, and we just appreciate them so much, are uh, Will, Joshua. Eric B, Phil, Drew, Trip, Haley, Joseph, Jason, and Eric T. Thank you, each and every one of you, for supporting us over on Patreon. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we hope you're enjoying the bonus episodes. This week on our bonus episode, we are going to go back to the the roots, to the first appearance of Fafnir in Marvel Comics. I know Nathan has talked a lot about how great the sagas are and how great he is in Norse mythology. Well, I only know Marvel Comics. So we're going back to Fafnir's first appearance in Marvel Comics. That is going to be the Tales of Asgard stories from Thor 134 through 136. So we're going to go do those uh, Tales of Asgard's. And I mean, seriously, Tales of Asgard stories from Kirby 
I mean, you can't you can't beat it. Uh, maybe well, maybe we can try with our Simons and Saga. But anyway, we hope you go and check us out on Patreon. If you're able to support us, we would really appreciate it. But uh, even if you're just gonna li- keep listening to episodes, keep doing that. We hope you enjoy the second half of the second part of our Simons and Saga with John and Nathan. Okay, everybody, we're back. We have refilled our, our goblets to, to overflowing with uh, uh, delicious beverages. And uh, Nathan uh, has stopped perspirating and he's, <laughs> he's, he's revamped for these next few issues. But we're going to hand the reins over to John to tell us what, uh, what 343 has for us. This one truly epic. I know we've used the word epic in a few different ways tonight. 343 was uh it had everything it had everything yeah i I think what i liked about it was obviously it's got action and it's got the feels like it it worked for me on an emotional level like for 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 what the characters are going through but then it works as well on just a just a roller coaster ride of enjoyment so this one i it's did you say it's elif elif uh i'm trying to think I'm struggling with the Viking, the Viking. Guys yeah. I, and, and, and I, have, I, have, I, I haven't studied Norse in too long. I mean, the old English vowel would be. <laughs> you know what, Nathan, I'm a little rusty been, as well. Been a while. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Elif. Well, let's rock it. Let's rock it. So Elif uh, is, is basically dealing with the dilemma of wanting to get to Valhalla, wanting to achieve this, this, this end to his long life. But at the same time, being fearful that he's missed his opportunity at this point. And mm-hmm. so at the beginning, it's Thor really trying to convince him that this is your opportunity. You know, Fafnir's mm-hmm. back. He's destroying New York. This is your opportunity. So he's got to try to convince him to do this. And he even says at one point, you know, Odin would let you in. Let's let's wait for a sign from Odin. Odin will be the one. And then I love that there's like, it even says, 30 minutes later, like they waited, they had to wait 30 minutes for a sign <laughs> from Odin because he mm-hmm. calls, he calls, he's like, dad, you're hearing me, right? Like this guy, this guy could get into Valhalla, right? And it's like 30 minutes of nope. I mean, at some point you'd think like, no, maybe it's nothing. It, it's the, it's the old SpongeBob thing. It's like 30 minutes later. <laughs> exactly what I thought. <laughs> and then Ooh. of course the sign arrives right it's it's the chariot for of the two ridden by uh, pulled by the two goats thor's uh is it tooth nasher and uh, and tooth, tooth grinder tooth grinder <laughs> they come flying in and then there's a winged steed as well as if it's yes. like you cloud rider you get the you get the winged steed which i gotta say I might prefer the winged steed uh, with a mohawk. Course, it's yeah, like it doesn't have a so mane; cool. it has it's a like mohawk. Jet black, like obsidian. It's like really cool. In fact, that's my favorite page. Like it, that spread, it, splash page is just stunning. The uh, so I don't know, John, if you noticed uh, the wings on it. There's one panel where his wings look like arch archangels' wings. Oh um, yeah, they're kind of like pointed. At, like I'm a sharp. big angel archangel yeah. fan, so I was like, oh my gosh. Maybe that's Louis, that, I mean that's Louise, right? That was Louise on X Factor, right there. I man. just I, I'm looking for any X Men reference that I can. <laughs> Do um, it. You all know. day, all day. But so okay, yes. Uh, then he still, uh, Elif still is not fully convinced. He still thinks I'm too old. I can't do this. He's got to mm-hmm. touch Thor's hammer. Thor, uh, this is an ability I was not aware that Thor had. He de ages 
Elif to make him feel and look younger. It's a, the, the hammer is the fountain of youth in some manner mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Why not? He de-ages him and then he's like, get on your horse. We're going to rock this. And they go flying off to battle this amazing fight with the dragon, which I don't know mm-hmm. if you want me to get into all the spoiler specifics of that. Go uh, go ahead, and then we can. It's we got can highs kind of... and lows, right? Like like, can they defeat it? There, you know, Thor calls down all the power he could possibly do. He hits he hits Fafnir with everything he's got. Even even young reuse Elif uh, gives his best. They're mm-hmm. really just struggling, and Thor just gets pounded after giving everything he's got. And then Elif decides, I'm gonna. This is how I'm gonna go out. He just gives. He just jams his spear as hard as he can into Fafnir and Fafnir's barely like, yeah, you got me. He knocks, he blows him back, absolutely kills Elif. And then Thor sees that the spear is just, it's in, it's wedged in. It's actually Mm -hmm. broken through the armor of Fafnir. And then he's like, I can, this, I can now, I can hammer a nail, right? My hammer (laughs) and the nail. I can hammer a nail. (laughs) So he comes flying in and he just pounds that spear all the way into Fafnir and lays Mm -hmm. waste and defeats yep. the Ugh. defeats him that's that's the main story a obviously we get some side stories as we've mentioned from previous uh issues but i feel like what i loved about this issue was it was way more streamlined the the jumps to other stuff worked and fit better more seamlessly yep. for me and the main story was so beautiful obviously at the end we get the the viking funeral right the 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 goodbye to elif and the and the journey to beyond and it's even including fafnir they even include fafnir as like part of this like honor Mm -hmm. to the gods we're gonna you know feast on this dragon and 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 an nypd deputy explains the significance of the dragon for us part it's like (laughs) who's most qualified well uh well uh sarge you see uh in a viking funeral when you put the dog at his feet uh that's part of the ceremony (laughs) (laughs) i mean any any palooka knows that uh there's so much that that might have been my favorite gag in this issue it works so well the, what's what's kind of crazy about this is john just mentioned like we say goodbye to elif in this issue we've only known him for two issues mm-hmm. like but the character feels like he has so much depth and substance it when he dies like he's mm-hmm. actually made a sacrifice and we feel like we know his we know his mindset that he, he wants he wants a seat in valhalla he wants glory he wants he wants to die for something meaningful um, and Odin and Thor both honor him in specific ways throughout this, um, throughout this issue. I do find it funny when Odin shows up guys, who does he look like? Like he clearly looks like one person and it's Gandalf the gray. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I can't, I can't get Lord of the Rings out of my head when I look at him. It's like, <laughs> hey, hey, Odin, um, or sorry, the stranger, who's <laughs> clearly Odin. Um, that, that kind of that kind of reminds me of like, uh, and I'm sure Nathan has a has a, a deep pull for this one, but like when gods would show up in human guises and people, would oh like, goodness, hey, yeah, yeah, um, you're you're that guy. And they're like, no, no, nope, totally. I'm a I'm a different guy. Um, you know, not. <laughs> No, it, it, 
it's like um it's like odin at least do like the obi-wan mind trick like at least tell him this uh, not not the all father you're looking for <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, let's be honest he could look any way he chooses he, he right? could change his appearance he doesn't need to look like himself <laughs> but no right, right. Worst he's probably undercover like, spy ah, these mortals will never figure it out they think my son's <laughs> not four and all he did was put on glasses like what do i need to do <laughs> oh man i just i love that the two times that odin has shown up like when he goes to nadavalier and has Etri forge stormbreaker they're like hey stranger it's like odin what's up man like what do you need <laughs> like nope uh not odin uh totally different guy and now it's like elif calls him uh grandfather and he's like nope i'm uh, i'm the stranger i'm the, I'm the stranger <laughs> oh, oh shoot but this um i think john said this um really well it's like we get this big huge up and down action fight scene that turns into a godzilla like kaiju fight in the middle of new york because so much stuff Mm -hmm. gets destroyed and they're like they're trying every which way to put him down and then elif kind of you know he he lays down the sacrifice bunt and uh he's he's able to to win he helps win the battle in a huge way right right and i mean in this one i, I you know you, you you've done the kaiju now i'm gonna do the english professor but uh you know i mean just want to talk we, about we, giant monsters we, well no 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 it, it's, it's it's a different giant monster because okay, i mean good. because walt simonson i mean pivots from the fafnir story even though the character is still named fafnir and he retells the beowulf dragon story in this issue Right. So, I mean, you know, Elif the Lost, uh, you know, is the unfaithful uh, Thane. You know, I mean, he doesn't want to go into battle. He thinks he's going to die in the battle. Right. And, you know, Thor gives him a series of, you know, in poetry, they're called Ubisunt questions. Right. Okay. Uh, and and let me let me flip over to the page so I don't get the words wrong here. But uh, let me see here. And the pages are going to be different in mine because it's the omnibus. Uh, but it is trying to look here uh one it, it's the page after carnilla's looking very pinup <laughs> but i uh, um but he tells stories too old i bring i fear no towering foe but i can only dishonor myself in the battle and be no aid to you and and thor's response has a long pedigree in medieval poetry he says what words are these i hear where is the warrior who dared to call out the gods who out of the sky who has lifted his weapon against the mightiest father of Asgard, whose people dared the furious elements of the ocean in open boats and laughed at the fear. Does he seek an easy death? This is something that uh, isn't always part of a, uh, a pre-battle speech, but it often is. And like I said, the poetic term is Ubi Sunt, uh, Ubi for where and Sunt are, where are the warriors? Where are the fighters? Where are the men with their weapons? Where are the, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, it gets used all over in medieval poetry. So once again, that's a, a glorious, you know, literary moment. But then, uh, you know, Elif holds the shield for Thor, which is what uh, Wiglaf does for Beowulf as Beowulf fights his dragon. Uh, Elif uh, wounds the dragon, which is what Wiglaf does, but he does not kill the dragon. Beowulf does, just like Thor ends up killing mm. Fafnir, right? And so, I mean, you know, what's fascinating here is, I mean, you know, it's not a, I, I wouldn't call it a ripoff, but I would call it, you know, I mean, Simonson deploying 
all of these great elements. And, you know, you said that, you know, we are invested in Elif, even though we just met him. I mean, in, in one sense, yeah, we just met him last issue. In another sense, we've known him for a thousand years. Right. Because he is Wiglaf. <laughs> he is a, a reincarnation, uh, so, something old, something new. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, I mean, you know, the, the glorious, you know, Viking funeral, uh, oh, which is also, gosh. you know, the opening scene of Beowulf is the is the funeral funeral of shield chafing. So I mean, you know, the 343 in my book is the Beowulf issue because I mean it's it it, it is you know uh, this glorious reimagining uh, you know, and I can't remember are they fighting in New York City still? Yes. Yeah, they are. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, because so many of the frames, I mean, the background is is blurred from the motion, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's Beowulf in New York City, and I love it. It's the climactic battle. Like, everything's been yeah. building. To, it, it, it's funny, because it. speaking of Claremont again, like, he had this habit, too, of, like, teasing you with the main villain and then pulling him away for a couple issues, and then two later, they're going to basically have the same fight again, but now it's the climax battle. So we get basically mm-hmm. Fafnir round two here. Right. But it's just, there's so much more time spent on it because of all the great setup that now mm-hmm. we're, it's, it pays off. Right, right. And then now, the other thing is, and, and I actually, I, once again, Ryan, I'm, I'm I'm failing here in my English professor role. But I, don't I don't think you've failed one. I, bit, Nathan. <laughs> I, I feel like the listeners are going to be like, whoa, is it, are we still talking about comics here? Like, yeah, <laughs> but but I, I don't know if there is a literary antecedent, but uh, when we're in the, the forging of Twilight, um, you know, I mean, the fact that the sword in this issue gets named Twilight uh, you know, immediately my mind goes to Wagner's opera about Ragnarok called Twilight of the Gods. Mm. So, I mean, you know, I mean, once again, I mean, you know, Simonson doesn't just stay in the 13th century in Northern Europe. He also goes to 19th century German opera. I mean, you know, <laughs> if there's one guy that's going to do it, I, I don't yeah, doubt yeah. Walt for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think uh, a lot of in uh in the in the next portion and obviously when we get to the the finale of the Surtur saga um Surtur does say many many times that he will be the doom of the gods he will yeah he will yeah. bring about their end um which right for, for those that maybe aren't familiar with Gultar Damarung that's the name of of that part of the ring cycle God, that sounded cool. Um, <laughs> like, sorry, it just now came to my mind. I wanted to say it before I forgot. <laughs> we will, we will cover uh, the week that we do the Surtur saga in a, in a, in a few in a few months, um, month or so. Um, uh-huh. We are going to do more Surtur stuff on the bonus episode. Okay. The one thing you need to know about uh, Surtur in Marvel Comics, everybody, is he does not have a deep history, like. Mm. Surtur, his first appearance, Surtur gets kind of, he gets kind of jobbed out. Um, <laughs> him and uh, him and a storm, him and him as the fire demon, like just, they just call him the fire demon, like most of the issue mm-hmm. and a random storm giant, they get released onto Midgard, Loki releases them and odin's like well i've got to go i've got to go deal with this stuff on midgard hey loki will you watch the throne while i'm gone and he's like of course i will (laughs) of course it's like odin you idiot like why (laughs) you're a bad dad and you're an even worse king like come on um but uh surter does not have this deep uh rich history um which kind of makes like the 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 expanding of this character and the drawing out of him Mm -hmm. even 
cooler to me that Simonson's like, no, Surter's my big bad. And it's like, oh, the guy that like has shown up three or four times um, and really has never been a threat to Thor or Asgard on a big level. He's like, yeah, I'm going to make him like the most epic villain that Surter, that, that, that this comic has seen yet. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of like big epic things, I, I wanted to read what Thor says at Elif's funeral. Yeah, because it is epic. Um, he uh, he throws Fafnir like near the pyre, and they you know we're getting the play by play from the from the guys on the ground. Um, not only Chuck Churtle, the reporter from the local TV station, uh, but also uh, the, the guys, the Sarge and Corporal, and you know all the vague army terms. Um, Thor is uh, Thor is trying to honor his, his fallen comrade when he says this. Hear me, you elements, hear me, storms. Rise up in your wrath. A warrior hath died this day, and sh- you shall carry him to his destiny. No longer Elif the Lost, but Elif the Dragon Slayer. Strike now and fire this holy mound. Uh, and the pyre erupted in glory. Then we see Elif soaring away, on his his winged steed uh like john said made of obsidian and mohawks um (laughs) and uh the valkyrie are flying into valhalla and i'm like this is why thor comics are metal as hell yeah like well and and uh, and ryan don't leave the the big element out and then odin is in the background as big as the horizon yes Yep, uh, 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 Gandalf the Allfather is in the background, <laughs> uh, and yeah, the the the, uh, the the narration boxes say for a moment the entire city is lies stunned with blinding light, but only a few more uh, few see more than a play of lightning and dancing shadows. None see the looming figure that towers over all. As Father Odin and his Valkyrie maidens welcome the last Viking into Valhalla, like come on, it's epic. Like, yeah. That's that's epic. It's and grand. you know, like yeah, it's not Beta Ray Bill. It's not going to be Malakin. It's not Surtur. <laughs> but it's it's fantastic stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's just so. a very different story from Beta Ray Bill, which I think is why it gets compared to that. And it's so sh- quick on the heels of Beta Ray Bill, which is a classically right. Marvel story with like two heroes that fight each other. We're introducing the new guy. So it, 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 it ticks all the boxes for a classic Marvel book where fans would be all geeking for it. This yeah. clicks the check, checks the box for a classic Thor story, right? Big mm-hmm. monster, Thor with big stakes, lots of things going on in the universe. And then some, wonderful like like emotional core things happening where we get to see uh what is the what is this all about what is this like warrior king lifestyle about and it's the people you fight next to right it's the mm-hmm. people you're on the front line with yeah right there's this battle line uh soldier veteran mentality thing happening here that's kind of cool it mm-hmm. and that is um that is a theme that if you look at so you look at the first three um parts of our simonson saga thor is paired up with a sidekick that has his own problems has his own Mm. struggles in the first one beta ray bill is you know no offense beta ray bill fans he's the sidekick it's thor it's still thor's name on the cover um in the in this part that we're talking about today 
Elith the Lost is his sidekick character. I mean, literally, he's his shield bearer. And then in the next part, we're going to see maybe his most unhinged sidekick, Roger Willis, the Korean veteran with the magic fairy killing gun. <laughs> Kid you not, it does not disappoint. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun with that character. But um, the before we leave 343, guys, we got to talk about the last page. It is kind of weird and kind of uncomfortable yeah uh thor is all dejected after losing you know losing his friend and uh all you know he, he says that you know basically all of these things that were familiar to him are now away you know sif is off with beta ray bill he's not donald blake anymore he you know he, he's not you know really hanging with the avengers um and then he hears a knock at the door and it's it's lorelei the stalker uh, yeah the, who, who we, who we he gets, now he, know. he's getting fatal attraction and we just don't see it. <laughs> and he, he, she tells him that she's melody well we know that's not true uh and then at the end the last panel um the door the exterior of the apartment we hear the door shut um and Lorelai says, I know what you need, a good back rub. It will take all those nasty kinks right out. And then she's like, why don't you take your shirt off? And it's like, okay, this is a Thor comic. <laughs> it's like, it's like a <laughs> Thor movie. It's like, hey, Hemsworth, shirt, shirty. <laughs> um, but uh, that's where we, we leave Thor. Um, he's uh, going to fight a different kind of battle next issue. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. So, and, and of course, on the very first page, we get Lorelai looking very centerfold watching TV while Fafnir rages. So, oh, I mean, it's bizarre. She, like, I mean, this doesn't care. This, this, <laughs> grand, like, this grand Beowulf story is bookended by Lorelai. Yeah. Yeah. It's by <laughs> Lorelai just l- l- go looking, uh, looking as only she can look. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay. Here we go. Nathan, 344. Yes. 344. I would, I would say this is your time to shine, but you've you've uh you've educated us thoroughly. <laughs> maybe, maybe I shouldn't do episodes with teachers anymore because I end up yeah. learning. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> okay, Nathan, here you go, man. So as this episode opens, uh, we start not with Thor but with Balder. He is in the chambers of Carnilla, and he is approached by uh Gary, the the dire wolf of odin is that not how it's pronounced i know i love i love that his name just phonetically is like gary yeah, <laughs> yeah well okay <laughs> um but at any gary rate the wolf yeah, uh, all so the he, names that we can't pronounce up to now and then the wolf is just gary <laughs> gary <laughs> so odin has summoned him back to asgard because uh odin sent out two ravens and only one returned and so he is gathering his heroes uh to prepare for whatever is coming in the meantime, back in Brooklyn, is it Brooklyn or the Bronx where his apartment is? Uh, he's in Brooklyn. Uh, I thought it was Brooklyn, but I could in- be wrong. Okay, because we've said both, and I I didn't want to slow down, so I. <laughs> but now that I'm in charge of it, I, I want to get it right. So back in Brooklyn, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, our friend uh, uh, <laughs> Sigurd Jarlson, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> Has, has nearly been, uh, you know, fatally seduced by Lorelai, uh, disguised as Melody, uh, but he fell asleep because he's so tired. And so in a wily Coyote moment, she leaves a note 
and goes off to uh, order more equipment from the Acme catalog so that you can catch him <laughs> next time. Uh, at that point, uh, we return to Balder. He is on the charge, heading back to Asgard. Um, no, strike that, heading out from Asgard uh, to go to the castle of Loki. And he is, you know, going through, you know, kind of a, a grand medieval gauntlet of environmental hazards uh, until finally uh, he is beset as he approaches Loki's castle by figures that he thinks are trolls. But then he says, wait, these are no trolls. These are cut to the next scene. We're back in the forge. We've got more <laughs> doom. Twilight is tempered. Then really for the rest of the, I'm going to say for the, the majority of the rest, I mean, we get a brief Sigurd Jarlson gag, uh, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But really for most of the rest of the issue, we are following Balder. And I love this because uh, we find out that, you know, Balder has been given, for lack of a better phrase, a, a, a special dispensation from Odin to cease being a warrior of Asgard so long as he remains a servant of Asgard. So in this version of Asgard, there is conscientious objector status and Balder <laughs> hasn't, uh, which, like I said, was tripping me out pretty hard. We can talk about that more later. Uh, but in this moment in Loki's castle, he unearths the fact that Loki is allied with Malekith, the Dark Elf, and he realizes that, you know, uh, if he doesn't stop this alliance from coming to fruition that there could be I, I think the number he throws around is trillions that die and so yeah, i mean in in one of the grand lines of the issue i think well first of all in one of the great visuals of the of the issue uh balder who has said many times that he will not kill ever again there's just a frame where you see his hand reach for the sword hilt ugh. and you know what's about to happen and then you know just a couple pages later uh, he he utters, I mean, you know, the most heartbreaking line of the issue, conscience, I cast thee aside. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and reiterate and we'll, we will revisit this. Uh, that that is that is that is so far from a medieval sentiment that is unimaginable in a medieval poem. But it's all right, because this is a modern comic. Yes. Uh, but. Balder, you know, engages in battle, he slays demons eventually. When he realizes that, you know, um, Malekith has disappeared, he says, Loki, I mean, you cannot do this. And Loki says, no, I've already made the deal. Mm. And then, you know, as Loki, I think, turns his back to him. I think that's what the visual is. Yeah. Um, Balder lashes out and you hear, you hear, you see the sound effect <laughs> of Loki's head hitting the ground. And on the next page, uh, Carnilla is looking in. And she picks up Balder, you know, in her, you know, her orb of seeing for the first time in several pages and the, and her line. No, it's not her line. It's her, it's her little toady. Uh, he says, tis Balder, my lady, but his face, look at his face. He has the look of the damned about him. So, I mean, yeah. you know, this is, this is an issue that is all about Balder. It is all about, uh, you know, this contest between duties right you know his duty to his own soul and his duty to asgard and his duty to everything that lives and all three of those he cannot satisfy and because he can't he becomes balder the damned 
So God. it is a dark issue. Uh, but again, I mean, you know, uh, I the the writing I think was masterful. There's uh gosh, I mean, yeah, there were there were so many points in this where I'm like, man, that sentence must have just like while like writing this script, like he must have been like, that was a pretty good sentence. <laughs> uh, like that's a pretty good text bubble I just did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, w- I would like to point out to everybody um, that uh, this is the first full appearance ever of Malekith the Accursed. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we've seen him in shadow before, but we have not seen him fully revealed. And Surtur refers to him as, you know, his servant, the dark elf, but he doesn't call him Malekith. He doesn't call him Malekith the Accursed or, or whatever. Um, but this, we see Malekith, and this is Mal 344 is considered Malekith's first appearance. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, a very affordable first appearance, by the way, everybody. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, just a little note about that. Um, this is where Simonson's uh, story of Malekith kind of begins at the end of this um, Balder issue. So, mm-hmm. um, John, you had some thoughts about this one and I would love Frida, like, was this one like as convoluted as 342 for you or? It, no, it, it wasn't. I think it didn't skip around nearly as much. And I think it right. was in that way superior to a lot of the issues I had with 342. Um, I think it finally gave value and weight to what we had seen in snippets of Baldur's story mm-hmm. spread across the three issues preceding this and even into the i, I want to say he was in the beta ray bill stuff they were giving him time in those stories right. as well these little side bits and it was a very claremont or bronze golden age uh, bronze uh, copper age thing to do which is you know these little breadcrumbs were dropped along the way and now mm-hmm. the here's the here's the main course like we're gonna this is where the payoff of that is so I, I, but this is a sink or swim issue for a lot of fans, I would imagine, because either you liked the Balder story and you were all in for this, or you were like, where's my Thor? Like, I think you're yeah. going to have those two people, right. That are going to be one or the other. For me, there was enough breadcrumbs that were interesting enough to me that this, this was a payoff that I enjoyed. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know the Balder character beyond these issues that I read. I don't know. I don't, don't have any reference point for the character beyond this. Uh- but so, for me, like it paid off versus I could understand uh, a hardcore Thor fan being like, yeah, get, let's get back to the main story. So I will say this. Simonson does a lot with Balder. Like, mm-hmm. and he actually ends up, Balder uh, gets his own miniseries in the middle of this long epic run that we're going to devote a whole a whole episode to later on. Right. Um where we're going to talk all about Balder and uh, Carnilla's weird, weird obsession with him. He's, <laughs> he's perfect and I must have him. And then Balder's like, oh no, I, you're evil and I, I can't be with you. And she's like, yeah, but it would be so fun if you were. And like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird, they have a very weird romantic pretty sexual tension um throughout a lot of uh from these comics going on even into like jason aaron's run when carnella becomes a co-queen of hell with hella balder is um he's unseated as king of niflheim it just, it's a whole thing um but i'm gonna say i've read the aaron run i don't remember him in it so maybe i so, maybe i wasn't focusing enough on those individuals john maybe this will <laughs> jog your memory do you remember when balder shows up 
uh thor and loki show up in hell and balder meets them in his monster truck that's balder the, the monster that's truck balder. driver okay so for me it was just like another another character in this but, no that's epic universe that's, that's uh and i had uh, no when, frame of reference for him okay when we interviewed mike del mundo that was he was the artist on that that part of aaron's run i, I said to him i was like okay we got to talk about this monster truck because balder's like this you chivalrous you know knight in shining armor character and then he go he becomes king of hell and then he starts you know he's hanging out with scourge the executioner in a monster truck like <laughs> jason aaron like your brain must be like just this chaos uh this mosh pit of ideas um but yeah uh this so yeah we're gonna get more balder we're gonna get a lot of balder uh later on so um yeah do any there's one character we haven't really talked about a lot, and um, I feel like maybe he's a good place to land our our discussion, is Loki. We finally get to do something with Loki. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, and, a big something. And and he has he has some uh, he has some room to antagonize at the end of this, um, guys. What were your thoughts on uh, on Loki and his his scheme and how he responds to Balder? I mean, it's classic Loki stuff, right? He gets caught in the in the hand in the cookie jar and he seems to get punished for it, but then he's already a step ahead and knows how that's going to play out. Um, so what we see is he, he, you know, Balder chops his head off right there. And then, uh, and then at the end of the book, he's putting it back on again. Uh, right, right. The master of illusion strikes again, right? Yeah, like... yeah. He's he's Bertilak the Green Knight, right? Again from medieval <laughs> literature, right? And and you know, I mean, it fits because I mean, he is trapping the virtuous hero with this illusion, right? Yep. And I mean, you know, the result of it is a decapitation, and you know, after the decapitation, I mean, you know, it sets the hero on a a doomed quest. So I mean, you know, there's. Uh, once again, you know, just a lot, a lot of fun stuff going on there. I mean, also fun at the end. I mean, are, are the twin Hamlet references, you know, in in Loki's final speech, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, the the first one is, you know, um, alas, poor Balder, I knew him, Horatio. You know, that's from the <laughs> second to last scene of Hamlet. Uh, and then, you know, an excellent jest, well worth the price of a stiff neck for a day or two. That's a reference to a, a man of infinite jest. Uh, but then, you know, all Balder, thy name is laughter. You know, I mean, that's a, a takeoff of, uh, you know, Hamlet's condemnation of Ophelia. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once again, I mean, you know, Simonson is dropping in these Shakespearean lines, uh, you know, I mean, m- much later in the run. And I'm just going to drop in here, this in here because yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be on that episode, but in in very far down the line and i don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a fight scene in the thor book but in in one of the fight scenes (laughs) way down the line surely you jest (laughs) uh you know thor's opponent is off the is off the frame and he says a hit thor a palpable hit Mm -hmm. and you know i mean that is that is from the last scene of hamlet yeah uh and you know that's the line that's spoken just before the people trying to murder hamlet spring their trap on him so, I mean, you know, again, I mean, you know, I don't think you have to catch those references. I don't think you have to have taught Hamlet 15 times like I have, you know, to appreciate the story. But there's just that extra layer of fun there. I mean, if you catch these, you know, little literary moments. So, I mean, it's a whole lot of fun. And then honestly, I mean, you know, can't, conscience, I cast the aside. I mean, 
that is ah gosh i mean what it reminds me of most is when in paradise lost uh satan has his final chance really to repent in book four of paradise lost and you know his his line isn't identical but you know what satan finally says to resolve himself to his own damnation is evil be thou my good Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, in, in that moment, I mean, you know, uh, it, it is like a, a hammer hitting an anvil, right? I mean, that is when there is no turning back in that story right. up to that point, because Milton is such a master of showing these moments of potential freedom, it could have turned back anytime before then, but in that moment it can't. And for Balder, I mean, you know, it is that line. It's that spoken line conscience. I cast thee aside, you know, he declares that you know, I mean, if he has to choose between his soul and his duty, he's going to choose his duty and he's going to throw away his soul so that he can fulfill his mission in this story. It's the, it's the point of no return. It is the forfeiture of self. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and, and again, it is so unmedi. It's a very modern trope, right? I mean, it's something you expect from Shakespeare, from Milton, from, you know, modern authors, right? Uh, you know, and and the difference is, I mean, for instance, in Mort d'Artur, just to pick a, you know, a fairly well-known medieval text, you know, I mean, there are a number of knights who, because of the disaster that befalls at the end, and if you haven't read it, go read it because it's awesome, uh, they leave the knighthood and they become monks, right? But I mean, that is final. I mean, you know, they are dead to the realm and they are alive in Christ but they are never picking up a sword again. Balder, I mean, he gets called back in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and and the question is not which of these is my duty, but is it my duty or my conscience? Yeah. Well, I I I almost, this is probably a loose comparison and uh uh, I almost think of like stories in, in Japanese history of famous Ronin where uh-huh. it's like that's exactly ma- where my mind went so, it's not even i'm not even joking like, so it's like i was my- thinking of samurai and and the, the idea of being disgraced and trying to find redemption in a faith or in in a belief system and then being forced to question that and go and decide you know have i learned anything uh-huh. So I, uh-huh. that, that's where my mind went because well no no, uh, no. i mean yeah because i mean I, I you know the the tales of the haika you know is the is the samurai story i'm most familiar with and i mean they're there there is you know kumagai the samurai i mean you know he is in a situation where he has to kill a young enemy samurai and it reminds him of his own teenage son because when the when he takes the helmet off the kid he realizes that he's only probably 16 or 17 and you know he realizes that he's got a kid at home the same age and he says from that day forward he sought out a buddhist monastery so that he could leave the samurai life and become a monk Hmm. It really uh all of all of this to say listener you have gotten you've got a pretty generous uh lesson tonight yeah. uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, but nathan i this is why i freaking love you man like because like you pull these things out and it's like it's like it's like yeah hey listener i'll bet you didn't expect that <laughs> i didn't um there was so kind of building off this theme of like low-key goading balder to forfeit his 
honor and his dignity really to forfeit what's left of him because balder knows he's you know when balder went to hell he even says it to odin he's like you would have me go and do this task to the man who sent me to hell yeah like and and because because he's balder because he's 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 honorable above all else he says i'll do this but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna kill anymore i'm not gonna do this thing um because that's kind of been balder's arc up until now yeah yeah it will continue to be his arc for a while because he's gonna struggle with this And, and i'll go ahead and say a medieval king would say yeah you're actually are gonna kill whoever i tell you to heal which well, once, Odin, he, once he says he but Odin's right but you know but Odin says for it. well you know you have conscientious objector status here in Asgard so that, that's all cool and I'm like, he's like do it <laughs> do what you feel is best and it's like <laughs> oh, that's very diplomatic and and and, and, and very 18th century <laughs> um, the, the the scene that we were talking about Loki the scene that mm-hmm. I love about this and then we'll, we'll kind of land we'll land the plane uh, after our final thoughts is when Balder hands over the summons to Loki and he says, um, uh, it has not prevented me, uh, your, your demons and Malekith, you know, they have not prevented me in fulfilling my duty. Here, here, this is the letter, Loki, though it cost me my soul, I have completed my mission. I've kept my duty. I've done my duty above my soul, what Nathan was talking about just a few minutes ago. For my Lord Odin, the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. And Loki's next line is, you are a fool, Balder. He tosses the summons behind him. And he says, to think that a message from my stepfather could possibly be of concern to me. Balder is immediately offended. Like, mm. what? And he, uh, Loki says, I've already decided to accept Malekith's offer. After all, I have the blood of giants in my veins. And my stepfather never tries, never tires of reminding me. But it was so delightful to watch a pacifist slay his thousands that I simply could Bible not reference. I, yep. I could not <laughs> bring myself to mention this before why it would have spoiled my fun. Mm-hmm. And Balder goes ballistic. Yeah. Lo- this is why Loki is uh, like, he's the shittiest of shitheads. like like the really the whole world is a game to him Mm -hmm. like he is this is him flexing his like his joker vibe yeah yeah even if the world burns like i'm gonna watch it burn with a smile on my face yep well yeah it's it's iago right i mean it's not enough for me to destroy othello i want to watch othello murder his wife it yeah it was honestly one of my favorite loki scenes um that i had forgotten about from my first reading of this i was like oh my gosh mm-hmm. and then and balder because balder even says like i've forfeited my soul but i've kept my duty he actually forfeits his soul even more because he goes immediately to lop loki's head off yeah yeah and then even that's a joke to loki because he says a great sorcerer one of the first lessons you learn is how to how to not die pretty much like how to trick people and um like loki in a few pages in a few panels like you're just like oh right this guy is the worst um he's he's the absolute worst but guys final thoughts on uh really the the issues as a whole 
And then we'll wrap up and tell people where they can find you guys on the internet and where they can enjoy what you're working on. Uh, John, do you have final thoughts on, on the issues we covered tonight? I mean, this is, this is the legacy of, of Walt Simonson. There's so many things here that, that he, he shaped Marvel just like Louise did in a, just an unbelievable amount of ways. And and what we see here is is his is his craft. You, I think Nathan's brought it up a ton. This idea of, of a well-read, a well uh, a person who understands literature as well as he mm-hmm. does, utilizing that information in a way to create a story that goes way beyond what's on the page, right? And and craft something that is really unique to the Thor universe. And I think is a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's just good copper age uh, comic book fun. You know, and mm-hmm. you get Thor smashing things, you get uh, you get hilarious, you know, cameos and you get that Clark really Kent, that man. amazing mythology. <laughs> we didn't even get into like the ra- the stuff with the Ravens. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's just this wonderful you know, mythology to, to the universe of Thor. And I think it's all tapped into nicely here. Right. Right. Couldn't agree more. Nathan, do you have uh do you have anything left? I, I, I feel like I feel like you should be running on E right now because we're class over like hours ago. <laughs> One thing that I will say is that you know, I mean, the things that I've, I've I've been highlighting tonight and you know showing myself geeking out about, uh, and I do so unapologetically. I mean, is is one of the one of the things that I find so masterful about Simonson uh is that uh, he doesn't just hook this story to other comic book lore, but he hooks it to, I mean, for God's sake, the, the poetic Edda, to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, to Shakespeare, to the Bible, right? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, he has this, um, he has this ability, I mean, to do it, I mean, in ways that uh you don't need to catch the references to enjoy it by any means just like i haven't caught all of the comic book references that you guys have pointed to uh but if you do catch them i mean you know uh they're not super superfluous they're they're not just extra stuff but they (laughs) i got Uh, it (laughs) but they uh you know they they add complexity to the story and you know i mean uh like I said, you know, I mean, I, I read a lot of these issues, you know, back in the the late 80s when I was 12, 13 years old. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, coming back to them now, you know, um, you know, three graduate degrees later, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's really cool stuff. Awesome. I mean, yeah, it's 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 so one thing I've loved listeners. Um, we did not record video for this, uh, but I just need you to know. All three of us have been smiling pretty much the entire time we've been doing this. Um, and uh, I've I've so enjoyed this. Um, probably some comics that people would have easily overlooked um, mm-hmm. in, in the grand scheme of Simonson's run. You know, like, we want more Beta Ray Bill. We want Malekith. We want, you know, where's the, when's the frog show up? Like, don't worry, the frog's <laughs> going to show up. Um, we're going to go into the weird realm of fairy tales very soon. Um, but, uh, you know, like, when are we getting to the Midgard serpent? Don't, don't worry everybody. I am stoked for the Midgard serpent issues. Um, but these issues really, uh, prove to me like what you can, what you can accomplish when you have just like some fun books 
you talk to them, you talk about them with awesome people and uh, you realize that, you know, you, you had a great time doing it. Mm-hmm. So um, John, I, I want to just give you guys, John and Nathan, I want to give you guys opportunities now, just like tell people you know what you're doing, how they can engage with you. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hop aboard the rainbow bridge and, 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 and scoot on to the rest of our night. Uh, but John, where can, where can people find you and uh, tell them uh, what you got going on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm on social media pretty much all around as John's Comics with Kids, uh, YouTube and Instagram primarily, but a little bit everywhere. Uh, I do a weekly show you mentioned uh, called Omni X-Men with my friend No Good Comics, and we review a single issue of Claremont's Uncanny X-Men run each week and then discuss it, 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 break down every little minutia, every little piece of you know information across the, the run from Claremont we're on our third omnibus so we're in the wow uh season of that of that show Uh, I also have a a monthly new comic book day show with my friend White Whale Comics where we look back at the books from the month and whatever we're reading usually it's a lot of indie issue number ones just looking at what's uh, what's good out there that month and then uh, Sundays is uh, Saturdays and Sundays are usually stuff I do with my daughters so whether we're reading uh, a new chapter from a Harry Potter book or whether we're sitting down on the couch and going over whatever we've been reading together. We just uh, try to do some family stuff on the weekends. That's fantastic, man. Um, if you can talk to no good, I've, I've talked to him a few times on, uh, on Instagram. Like I would love to have him uh, stop by and talk about anything. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> great. I mean, you both, you both, you guys do great hey, stuff. And Justin's a, a really, he's, he's a, he's a young reader. He's just getting into comics really. Right. It's hilarious. Cause his dad is, was a comic book artist and he drew for Marvel. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it was one of those th- cases of like a kid not wanting to get involved in whatever their dad did at work. And so he was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't care. You draw, you go draw your Marvel team up or whatever. I'm going to go and, you know, skateboard or whatever and just get away from it. Justin's dad did issues of Marvel team up. Uh, I would have to break out all the books that I've got from him, but yeah, his dad was a, was a uh, LaRoche, uh, LaRoque, sorry, LaRoque is the last name. And he's done a few different comics that, and I've seen, and he did a really great, uh, he still does like commissions and stuff. He's a really talented guy. I love Marvel team up so much. It's so underappreciated. It's the Saturday morning cartoons of my comic book. I'm actually, once I'm done finishing Simonson, I, in one of those long boxes you see behind me, uh, I have a partial Marvel team up run that I'm trying to finish. Um, So that, Oh, those books are bananas. They're so good. Um, But Nathan, it's Greg LaRoque or I always pronounce it. Okay. Oh, I got to talk to Justin about that. Um, but uh, Nathan, man, where can people find you? What What do you got going on? Uh, Christian Humanist Profiles still rocking and rolling? Over yes, there? indeed. So Christian Humanist Profiles is my interview show. Uh, I have on philosophers and theologians, biblical scholars, historians, people from all over the academy. Uh, they talk to me about their new books. Uh, and, you know, I, I press questions that I think my uh, listeners want to hear. Um, I've actually got a new show coming up. I'm not announcing the name of it yet uh, because I want to record four or five episodes so that, you know, I don't end up, you know, releasing one episode and then six months later, no new episode. Uh, But social media, I mean, you can find me on uh, Facebook at The Christian Humanist Podcast. Uh, That's where we announce a lot of our new episodes and link to 
uh, a, a you know an onboard uh, web player and such. Um, and trying to think of uh, of what else listeners uh, might not might want to hear, but you know, really Christian humanist profiles where I've been doing a lot of my podcasting yeah. here lately, and uh, you know, come check it out. We'll, we will, uh, in our episode description, we'll put links to, uh, to John's YouTube channel and we'll put links to Christian humanist, uh, profiles so that you guys can go check this out. If you want more of John, more of Nathan, uh, if you, if, if somehow you have not gotten enough of us tonight, <laughs> um, and, uh, cause I don't even know what the runtime of this episode is going to be. I don't even care. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but everybody, uh, you can check out across the Bifrost on Instagram. It's largely where we're at we have a discord server now which we're we're getting that kind of warmed up it's been a lot of fun so far um we hope that you can check that out maybe uh if if you're like me and discord kind of scares you um we we have that going right now hey buddy you got an ice cream cone Oh, well, I'll get my own ice cream. I'll, I'll get my own ice cream cone later. <laughs> that, everybody, that's my son, uh, Logan, uh, who is named after Wolverine. Yeah. Um, and uh, that made John happy. So uh, you best, can check yeah. us out on Discord now. Uh, we have the links on our social media. But yeah, you can check out the show, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, if you would, we, we really don't push this a lot. If you would give a rating and a review, that'd be awesome. And that'd be a great way to help out the show. We are uh, working on some, we're working on something for the next few months that is review and rating related. I'll say that for now. Uh, it involves an upcoming uh, guest that we're really stoked about. So just rating and reviews, they matter. And we just hope that you uh, can give us a few moments and, and do that for us. That'd be fantastic. But everybody, we are, we are done with the second part of Simonson Saga. You've made it. You've made it this far. <laughs> There's only about 15 or 16 more parts left. So just hang with us. Hang with us. Um, now, our Jason Aaron retrospective was like 15 or 16, too. So, you know, we're, we're, we're doing well. Um, and um, we, we hope that you've enjoyed so far this deep dive into Simonson's run on Thor, a run that we believe is well worth your time and ours. So until we see you next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge, we encourage you to do one thing wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Remember to stay worthy.